Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. We've already put together in-depth guides for wedding dress shopping, ceremony writing, hen party planning, and figuring out which style of wedding is right for you. And this week, it's time for another biggie, making the guest list. This is a topic we've brushed off here and there, but we figured it was worthy of a deep dive. Now, in a perfect world, couples would sit down with a pen and a piece of paper, write down the name of every single person they wanted to attend their wedding, and the task would stop there. But judging by the sheer volume of guest list-related dilemmas we've received from our listeners, it's sadly not that simple. No, it certainly isn't. We get a lot of um, people asking, cousins is a bit of a sticking point, I think. And partners. Yes, plus ones. There are certain people on the list who always seem to cause trouble for the couple yes. when they're sitting down to make the list. Children is another one. Children is so another yeah, one. So yeah, I think today's chat will certainly cover all of those and many more different dilemmas that a lot of couples encounter during yeah. the course of their wedding planning. And if you're in the early stages of planning, this is a really important thing to nail down because it really does influence basically everything else you'll it do. Sure does. The venue, the budget, all the biggies. One Fab Day Expert Wedding Tips. Claire and I have gathered a fair bit of wedding planning intel over the years. So each week on the podcast, we make sure to offer up a handy piece of advice that you can take with you all the way to the aisle or secular ceremony space. <laughs> Claire, you've masterminded this week's tip. So what have you got? So my tip this week is walk through the day from start to finish in your guest's shoes. Okay, I really like this one because I think it's super considerate for couples to do for their guests. Guests will definitely appreciate this one. So I'm not talking about, say, like walking through in one person's shoes like your Aunt Rita and you're worried about what she'll think of your centrepieces. I'm talking about your guests in general. So No, think- push off Aunt Rita. <laughs> exactly. So think about from the time they wake up in the morning, if they have to drive two hours to your ceremony, what time will they have had breakfast at? Yeah. How long will they have spent getting ready? When will they have eaten the last time? Will they be starving by the time it gets to the meal? Yeah, exactly. And so then from every decision you make after that, you'll have in mind how hungry they are, how long they've been standing, how hot or cold they are. Yeah. Whether there's a between maybe your dinner and the band starting whether they'll be starving by 11pm if your dinner was at 3 and they need more food at that time and it's just about being really considerate and kind of going through the day absolutely step by step and making sure their needs are catered for and it'll make for a more enjoyable day for them but also for you I mean it's natural for you to think from your point of view but obviously the guest experience is slightly different they'll start the day a bit later Mm. Um, and I think it's also worth doing I know you said Auntie Rita you know doesn't get her own like walk through but if you have a guest with certain like special requirements yes absolutely so any elderly guests guests with children pregnant guests people like that any guests with 
disabilities that they'll be able to get through the day in the same way that yeah. they'll have access to everything that they need and they'll know be where able they to can enjoy get a drink it. of water all of that and I think also an important one to remember is how they'll get home where they're staying if they're going to need a bus where their cars will be a lot of times people will have their car for the church and get to the reception space and then not be able to get to their accommodation or get home so it's about just thinking that through obviously your guests are adults they'll be able to work it out for themselves but it's just about being considerate and helping where you can and it'll help you identify I suppose any red flags where you need to maybe reorganise things a little bit yeah absolutely the one fab date wedding podcast for today's main topic we're delving into guest lists who makes the cut who's on the B list and who gets left off altogether as with everything else we chat about here, there are no hard and fast rules, of course. Some couples want big weddings and everyone they've ever met since primary school to be on the dance floor. Others just want to keep it intimate, just their closest friends and family. And there are lots of variants in between. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of couples might have no one at all. There's no perfect number. It comes down to a balance of who you want there, how many your venue will hold if you've already booked it, and how many guests you can afford, crucially. Hopefully our chat today will help you work all that out and figure out how to prioritise some guests over others and work out who you really, really want by your side on this all-important day. So we are going to be doing the A to D method of guest list making. (laughs) Sounds cutthroat. It is cutthroat, but that's why I love it. It's very effective and it's very easy for any couple to take it and customise it regardless of whether they want to elope with a couple of people or have a wedding for 300. So most couples will have an A-list and a B-list, but I think by breaking it down a bit further, it makes it easier to know where you need to draw your line. So yeah, we'll get into who makes the cut for each, each list. But I guess first we should talk about when you should make your guest list. So a lot of people leave that until after they've booked a venue, but ideally if you can do it before you've booked a venue, it'll help you make all the rest of your decisions. So it'll factor into what you can afford. So when you go to a venue, it's probably the first question they're going to ask is how many guests Mm. you have. And they'll need a per head price. So say if a venue is 100 per head, and you've 100 guests, then you can work out how much that's going to yeah, cost. You need, I'm not going to do the maths. <laughs> no, but you need the guest list to do the maths. That's a crucial yeah, point. exactly. So even if it's a rough guest list, it's good to, when you initially get engaged, to sit down and make out that yeah. ideal world list even. I wouldn't really encourage someone to be like, oh, I guess we'll have about 100 and not mm. act. I think you kind of need to sit down and make your list to know. Because whether it's 50 or 80 or 100 or 120, those can be massive differences in terms of cost and in terms of the availability of the spaces in venues a lot of venues in Ireland and the UK kind of take about 120 obviously there are venues that will take 200 300 yeah but it's crucial to know your number before you go looking so you make sure you get the right space for your needs yeah it would be awful to view a venue that you absolutely fell in love with and then realize that there is no way that your guest list can accommodate it and you have to you know then weigh up what's more important the guest list or the venue so I'd say to any couple to like sit down together have a chat about the kind of wedding you want obviously because I think the atmosphere is largely sparked by the guests yeah and having 40 or having 200 will still make a great day and a great party but it'll probably cause for a different vibe so it's important to have a think about that and your partner might have a very different expectation of who they want to yeah, ask compared to you. That I'm sure happens a lot. So that needs to be ironed out early as well. Yeah and think about I suppose how long your wedding will be like if it's going to be a full weekend affair maybe you can have a few more people there because you know if you don't get to them on day one for a chat you'll get to them on day two whereas if you're having a very straight up and down like eight hour wedding you know it's kind of tricky to have 300 people there 
Because how are you going to actually even see them all? It yeah. might not be possible. Yeah, I once spoke to a bride in the UK who kind of came from a high society family and had to have a lot of her parents, friends and associates oh, at her I wedding. See, yep. And I think they had about five hundred, four or five hundred. Wow, well, yeah. So it would be like that house party that I had once where I'm still meeting people <laughs> years later who were at it. And I'm like, exactly. Saz, can't remember meeting yeah. you at all. So she just made a decision. She wasn't going to do the receiving line. She wasn't going to get around to everybody because she worked out. If she spoke to everybody, it would take up something like four hours of the day yeah. just by spending two minutes talking to each guest. So like, yeah, you have to think about all these things and think about your expectations for your day and how you envision it before you even start talking yeah. about second cousins. I also love the idea of her sitting down for like a speed dating style <laughs> yes. thing where it's like, hi, how are you? Oh, great to see the end of the baby. Like, bye, yeah, move on. It. Because you do feel obliged to talk to everyone. And I remember chatting to very close friends of ours at our wedding and they were like, oh my gosh, it's like, thanks so much for talking to us. And it was like, you're yeah. my really good friend. Why wouldn't I talk to you? But everyone just assumes you're just trying to get the rounds in, get through people as fast as possible. Talk to all your aunts, you know. Yeah, that's a bit of a stressful situation. Yeah. I've definitely been that guest who's been like, yeah, no, it's fine. You can go now. Move on. <laughs> you don't need yeah. to spend loads of time on me. I'm having yeah. a great time. And Thanks for inviting me. And that's the last thing you want to be doing at a party that you've invested a lot of time and money into. Yeah, it's better not to put yourself under so much pressure. So, yeah, I guess we should start with who's on which list. Yeah, so the A, B, C and D list method, which... I personally think is foolproof. So every person's A to D list might be slightly different. Yeah. There's definitely, like, it's completely personal. And the only guidelines, like, we've put in general guidelines, I think. But the only rule here is that the people you want are there. Yeah. And that's it. And that's the beginning and the yeah. end of it, really. An important thing to remember, I think, is that you have to draw a line somewhere. So yes. you might think, oh, God, wouldn't it be great now if I had... 200 people on the guest list but even if you don't realise it if you have 200 people and that seems like a lot of people to you there will still be someone who's number 201 yes, exactly. who you want there in theory but isn't going to make the cut yeah. you're always going to have one person on the outside and every time you extend it you're just extending the parameters but say you extend it to school friends are you going to ask everyone from school? probably not if you extend it to work are you going to ask everyone from work? so it's about like the, yeah as you said you will have to draw a line at some point so you're kind of going to have to overcome yeah, I the think idea at the of that. outset you have to accept that someone who you would like in a perfect scenario to invite isn't going to get invited Yeah, and also accept that probably a lot of people don't really mind no one minds like have you ever been not invited to a wedding and you've not like no. turned up stink about it honestly not once never yeah, exactly so you do have to think about that too you wouldn't mind not being invited to a wedding so don't be too worried about what other people will think if they're not invited either. yeah yeah except the fact that you know people are smart they know what their relationship is to you if you're not texting them every day they probably aren't expecting automatically to get an invite to your wedding so yeah let's press on so the a-list so these are the most most special people in your life yes the guests you absolutely need to invite to your wedding so I call these the desert island discs of wedding guests so the people you cannot imagine getting married without so that might be just your other half but for most people it'll probably be their parents their siblings their very closest friends their own children or maybe their nieces and nephews Mm -hmm. and that's about it yeah so if you had to get married in the morning and last minute you had to pick up the phone and call your most important people to invite yeah at the last minute, these are the people. Who Probably the people you'd ra- who'd yeah. raised you, your parents, siblings, 
And then depending on what your personal family situation is, to me, siblings would include like my siblings' partners and their kids. Other people might not have nieces and nephews in there, depending on how many siblings they have. Yes. Uh, You're very close friends, like your besties. You're very like inner circle, the people you'd talk to every week. Yeah. And your kids, if you have kids. That's Mm. a good rough guide, I think, for who goes on this list. Yeah. And our B list is probably a large extension of what most couples would consider their A list. So like the aunts and uncles and extended circle of friends but I think for the purposes of this it's important to take note of who you'd call if you were getting married in the morning just because it makes it much easier then for you to yeah to make a call if you decide to have a small wedding so if you're having a 20 person or 40 person wedding yeah then really the difference between a and b is crucial to you yeah exactly and i think as well a like correct me if i'm wrong um you're the mastermind behind the a to d system <laughs> there patent pending um correct me if i'm wrong but in my head the a list are people who you would almost sort of work your plans around to accommodate because they're yes. that important they're the kind of people who you'll send them the date before you book the venue yeah. and make sure they're all okay for it yeah. whereas your good friend from college you mightn't do that for yeah you'll be like really sad if she can't make it but yeah. you're not necessarily going to be well hold on I'll move the whole wedding to Cancun exactly. to accommodate her <laughs> yes. yeah okay with you so the B list is really special people that you'd love to spend your wedding day with that you really want there but yeah you're not going to cancel the day if one of them breaks their toe and can't make it. Breaks their toe. <laughs> I love it. That's the biggest tragedy you could come up with. I know. We didn't want to say anything darker. <laughs> Let's keep it light. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, you've written down here that we have grandparents, <laughs> aunties and uncles, your wider circle of pals and their partners. So, yeah, yes. I think everyone kind of has a different size of a circle of pals. Yeah. But... Everyone I'd say could pick their closest. Now, your closest might be two or it might be 12. Yeah. But I think you have a good natural instinct of who those people are. Yeah. For a lot of people, this could be 20 people. And then for a lot of people, that's 80 people. Yeah, exactly. So, Depending. Which, yeah, which is why the C list comes in. So even though we've included aunties and uncles in the B list, for some people, your aunties and uncles will be absolute no-brainers you'll really want them there on the day. Mm-hmm. But for others who might not be close to their aunts and uncles or who have aunts and uncles yeah exactly um, that's why I've also added them to the C list because I think it helps like couples navigate whether yeah. or not they're going to make the cut depending on how your family yeah. is set up and well you could have aunts or family. uncles who've lived abroad your whole life and you've only met three times yeah absolutely. you know and as much as it would be nice to invite them they're not going to make the B list because they're not a major part of your life they're not one of the first people you thought to call when you got engaged yeah. you know the C list is basically all your aunts and uncles all your cousins plus ones of people that maybe like plus ones that you haven't met before or plus ones in maybe a new relationship with one of your yes. good friends so they're not already integrated into the group kind of idea yeah, yeah exactly people like travel buddies who you'd love to have there and you know you'll have like a great time with but they yes. might not necessarily made the initial cut work friends maybe from previous jobs yes old school friends people like that so like people you know oh if I'm having a party I'll definitely give them a shout yeah you absolutely want them there yeah but again if they break their toe you won't mind <laughs> if they're not there less so again you know that you yeah. wouldn't put any huge expectation on them coming so again if you're having a 50 person wedding these people probably won't make the cut at all you probably will have just a and b 120 they might 
Yeah, yeah. And these people can be great crack as well. These can really like add to the vibe of a bigger wedding. When you're, you know, on the dance floor and everyone is like singing along to Living on a Prayer, you're like, oh, I'm so glad these people are here. It really makes it. Yeah. But it really just depends, like you said before, on the vibe. Yeah, certainly. And when it comes down to things like budgetary restraints or the size of your venue or just the vibe you want from your day, I think that's when these people will make the cut or not. I have definitely been on the sea list many times. Yes. And I've been have I. I've been on I think I've been on the D list where I've been told I've been upgraded to the C list. <laughs> so well no, I actually always was really flattered. So I've had a couple of people say to me like, Oh listen, we made our guest list. We were really sad that we couldn't make it work that you were on it. Now my auntie can't come. So we'd love if you would come yeah, that's in her place. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that you got a promotion. Yeah. I you're was great crack. I think I am great <laughs> crack. And it was a promotion that, you know, I, I never felt any, you know, uncomfortableness about it because it was people who we both knew we weren't best pals. Yeah. I didn't see them every week. I saw yeah. them a couple of times a year. We always had great crack together. Mm. So I didn't ever expect to be like bridesmaid or anything. So I don't think people mind getting an upgrade either when the time comes. And there'll probably be people that over the course of planning your wedding, you might get closer to say someone in work or something like that yeah. that you your friendship might accelerate in the wedding planning period yeah, for exactly. natural reasons so they, they might have been on the D list at the start of the process but by the time it was coming up to the wedding they were actually the ones that were like helping you pick a cake or something exactly and you're delighted to have them along in the day yeah we hear that sometimes with bridal parties or wedding parties that like you pick your bridal party and then you know uh, a newish friend becomes really really close to you and becomes really important to you throughout the process yeah. and you like add them in later on the wedding planning process so same can happen with guests so the d-list no shade to the people on the d-list we've all been no there. we have all been there yeah so these are the guests that you might feel obliged to invite now you know we don't like obligations around here um but I understand that in certain families and with certain weddings, yeah. you, you might have obligations. So these could be people like the priest, if you're having a church wedding, uh, the neighbours, friends yep. of your parents, children. Now, again, children might be further up, depending on who the children your, are. Yes, if you exactly. know the children well or if they're just children of, you know, yeah, friends who you haven't really spent much time with. Yeah, exactly. Them as a family. Children are often, we'll get like, we'll have a whole section on children in a few moments. But yeah, children are often ones that make the cut or don't make the cut yeah you have to be cutthroat with the whole children thing <laughs> Selena. I'm not saying you have to murder children <laughs> just saying that you kind of have to we'll, we'll yeah, get to it Claire will, but you do have to make a call on children in a way that you don't other areas of yes the exactly yeah. um, then say like everyone from the local JA club rugby club golf club yeah. depending on what your affiliation. this is like are. a pile in situation where you feel yeah. like because you've invited one, one or two team, you have to invite them on. that maybe that means that you've opened the floodgates to a whole other group of 10 or 20 further people who are in the same kind of demographic yeah exactly mm-hmm. likewise people who invited you to their wedding a lot of couples feel pressured that oh well they invited us to our to theirs so we have to go to theirs. Did I phrase it? <laughs> I think you I think you get it. <laughs> you get the gist. So yeah, don't feel obliged just because like you made the cut for someone else doesn't mean they have to make the cut for you. Yeah, exactly. I know that's way easier said than done. But really, they might have had 200 at theirs and you're having 50 at yours. So there's no obligation. To and I think again, there. we have to bring it back to the point of like, there is no perfect, comfortable way to make a guest list no. in which you will not have 
any conversations where you feel a little bit awkward. Like that's probably not going to happen. No. You're going to bump into someone and even though they might be completely fine not to be invited, but you might feel a bit like, oh yeah, yeah, we're getting married, yeah, we can't wait. And you're a bit like, oh yeah, God, I hope totally they don't mind. Yeah, you when they bring up the wedding and you're like, oh, wedding, what wedding? Yeah, oh God, did you, yeah, nothing, nothing's happening there, nothing to see here. Yeah. Uh, so don't be thinking that there's a perfect solution because there isn't. No. So you're not really saving yourself anything by inviting everyone. Yeah. You're actually just probably making more trouble for yourself by putting loads of dealers people in. Mm. another one that sits in here is work colleagues that can be really tricky because you spend so much time with them and you'll probably talk through a lot of your plans with them mm. generally work colleagues don't expect an invite definitely not no I think work colleagues is event. a very unique situation because you have so many throughout your life you might have a thousand people by the time you get married who you've worked with yeah and some you'll carry through from old jobs and be friends with forever and some you know it's a very like obvious thing that you're like very friendly and pally but like they're not going to become your bestie overnight or anything yeah and it's it's one of those ones where once you open the floodgates, it's very hard to draw a line without it becoming political in your office. Mm. So it tends to be an all or nothing unless you have very obvious work besties. Yeah. In my last job, actually, a girl got married and she invited every single one of us to the afters. Which, which is perfect. Which I thought was so lovely. But I was also like very impressed with her generosity. Now, I know like the afters, you're not paying for the meal or whatever, but I thought that was like... I don't know if I could do that personally to just be like, hey, everyone, all come along because, you know, it was a big workplace. There are some people I didn't (laughs) like, some people I really (laughs) liked. There were, you know, shades of uh, black and white and grey in between. Yeah. Um, So I wouldn't feel pressure to say, oh, everyone in the office. Yeah, no. You can all come. Yeah. It's nice when people do that, but... It's not necessary. Absolutely not. So depending on the kind of wedding you're having and more importantly, who's paying for it, that will dictate who from the D-list gets in. So obviously like friends, your parents and maybe, you know, Mary down the road. Yeah. If your parents are paying for your wedding, you're going to have to be more flexible about. Yeah. Who among those? We've discussed this before how we very strongly feel like if someone is contributing a lot of money to your wedding, you kind of have to give them a little something. And the guest list is a big something that you know you can give them some control over depending on how much they spend yeah I do think yeah it's worth having a conversation about this early at the start and uh, yeah set expectations about it I mean if I could I would get every couple to like draw up a contract with their parents it says (laughs) you may have 20 guests (laughs) and we will give you x amount of money yeah because that would solve problems I know that's not really an appropriate way to speak to anyone but in theory it would be good to have like a conversation where you have a rough agreement about that kind of thing so people aren't disappointed later and you're not stressed about it on the week running up to the wedding which is what it's all about really is that it's a good day in the end the important thing to remember here is as much as okay there might be people who you feel obliged to invite there are no strict obligations really so particularly with people like your boss or Mm -hmm. the priest like it's about kind of thinking about the etiquette of it yeah what's appropriate in either your organization like i know in certain professions you will be expected to invite your boss or yeah certain industries i suppose they have a kind of a formal approach to things like that yeah but just try and take a step back and think about if it's really, really expected of you and why it's expected of you and if you still want to adhere to it. Yeah. And I suppose we should say as well that we didn't create a list for these people. But if there are people who you feel like will take away from the day in some way, you have complete carte blanche to not invite them. Absolutely. Like that's a whole different thing. Like your boss 
if you get on well with them you know definitely consider them but I would say don't consider anyone who you feel like is going to make you feel uncomfortable or you're going to be worrying about them on the day because yeah. it's just not worth or it and anyone specifically you're worried about causing drama we yeah. get a lot of that like people worried about I don't know inviting an uncle or a cousin or someone like that who always causes a scene yeah and I know these are really tricky situations it's so hard to navigate but just try and put your own best interests and the best interests of the majority of your guests into making these decisions rather than just placating one person who's going to cause a scene anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like if the difference between the two is one uncle feeling really hard done by because he didn't get an invite and the whole wedding being disrupted by his behaviour, you know, you kind of know which one is the best scenario there, I yeah. think. Sorry, drama uncle but <laughs> drama uncle but it's your fault for causing so much drama <laughs> yeah exactly so now that we've kind of outlined what the a to d list is mm-hmm. and who makes it we should talk about plus ones because that's another gray area that people are never sure about what the rules are yeah i think this is a personal thing mm-hmm. like for me i would feel like anyone i mean we mentioned this briefly but i would feel like anyone who was in a long-term relationship who was married or in like a serious committed relationship even if it was only you know eight months in or whatever yeah I would feel like it would be important that they were there as a duo. So I would probably cut in twos, if you know what I mean. Like I wouldn't necessarily invite one person from the couple unless there is a good kind of get around for this. If there's a group where you hang out singly quite a lot. Yeah, so say like you invite like all the girls from your gym class or like all the girls from your camogie team or something like that that you couldn't have just all of them and not their partners because you don't really know their partners and you socialize yeah. as single people and because your... crucially you know they'll have a great time if there's you know four or five of them yes. all hanging out that's a natural thing for them all to have a night out together so you know that they'll enjoy the day without yeah uh, part- another one is potentially cousins mm. um if you have 20 cousins and they all get plus ones that's 40 people yeah so you can have a chat with them and ask if they mind coming on their own and they might not again this is one to navigate within your family but I do think that's a a get around as well one point to definitely note though if someone's coming on their own and they won't know anybody even if they're not in a relationship I would give them a plus one yeah it's not really fair to ask someone to come to a party like a wedding where it's it's kind of daunting to walk up to (laughs) a group of people who all seem to know each other um on your own so I would give someone a plus one if they were coming completely on their yeah own. this happens regularly enough where like maybe you did a semester abroad or something and you made really really close friends with someone and they just aren't connected to anyone else in your family or friend group yeah but they're really important to you you never see them with anyone else and i do think it is it's a nice gesture to give them a plus one and it really really will affect not only what kind of a day they have but probably whether they'll accept the invitation at all because Absolutely. I would feel a little bit uncomfortable about accepting an invitation to a wedding if it was me and I knew nobody else yeah. as much as I feel like oh you know probably would be grand and I'd have chats you know there's a it's a long day there's yeah. a, like you kind of think of the bit on the dance floor where it doesn't matter but for a lot of the day you know everyone's still being very polite and formal yes. with each other so yeah. it's not enjoyable to have to do no, that alone. everyone needs a, a buddy on yeah. the day so yeah if someone is coming completely on their own I'd absolutely give them a plus one for we sure we should also chat about children as we mentioned they can fall into every level of the ADD list depending yeah, on how close your relationship you with them so obviously your own children you'll likely want there for the full day mm-hmm. uh, nieces and nephews perhaps depending on how many you have yeah 
for some people they're really close to the three nieces and nephews they have but yeah. for others they might have 20 and they're not a novelty yeah anymore. exactly it really depends on the amount of them there are because yeah. if you have three nieces and nephews you chances are we'll see them a lot and they'll be a big part of your life whereas if you have 20 there's just not enough time in the day yeah. to bond with all of them individually yeah and it just depends as well on what stage you're at or your friends are at because for some people only maybe one or two of their friends have kids so it's a very easy decision to make but for others if you're asking every single guest's children or if you're asking them all to leave young babies at home that Mm -hmm. can be tricky as well so it is just a matter of like thinking about where you're at but it's important to remember children definitely change the dynamic of the day particularly en masse (laughs) yeah and I think we have to think about what weddings are like from the children's perspective as well Mm. because you kind of think like everyone wants to go to my wedding right and yeah we do when we're adults but as kids certain kinds of weddings are really boring yeah and not suitable for children no and depending on your venue if you're somewhere kind of fancy and there's vases and fireplaces and all sorts Mm -hmm. it's just going to be more stressful for the parents to have them there so you are giving them a day off yeah if you ask them to leave the kids at home and they might actually be really grateful for it i will say one thing to note though is mums who are breastfeeding i would tend to bend no break the rules entirely for them and to invite their babies because obviously it will make a difference in whether or not the mums can come yeah and you have to factor in how far they're coming from where they live as well yeah. you know if they're gonna have to go and stay overnight somewhere they can't leave the baby with someone yeah, else exactly it's not a possibility so, so yeah do keep that in mind think too. about that before you drop the yeah the names and when it comes to actually letting people know because this is the crucially tricky part that a lot of people say mm. they just invited the parents but they bring the kids anyway. Yeah. We get a lot we of that. We hear that often. <laughs> yeah. So I would say like only address the parents on the invitation, but because so many people just don't seem to get that, yeah. I would have thought that's sufficient, but I guess it's not. Um, <laughs> maybe include a note that says something like, this is going to be an adults only wedding. Yeah. We're really excited to host you guys for a night off duty or something like that. Yeah. That kind of. I'm a big fan of the phrase adult only wedding yes. because I do believe in being clear only because of the amount of questions we get from people that yes. says, oh, suddenly my cousin's bringing his five kids and I don't know where we're going to put them. Eep, help me. Yeah. And even if you are having maybe three kids at the wedding, you can still call it an adult only for the purposes of everybody else. Yeah. Um, and I Once think, they get there on the day, yeah. they'll understand the dynamic of, oh, OK, well, there was a flower girl and a page boy, but, you know, they went off to bed at six o'clock or whatever. That's a different scenario. They won't be too upset if you've managed it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. And we just definitely do a whole episode on children at weddings and managing them. But I think for the purposes of the guest list, yeah, it's all about being as clear as possible with your guests. Yeah. And remembering that kids aren't interested in your like chic evening soiree. They sure aren't. <laughs> I think one thing a lot of people advise that I'd be very nervous about advising is the idea that 10 to 20 percent of your invitees will turn you down. Yeah, I hear this a lot. And actually often um, couples who are on the other side and have planned their wedding and their wedding is over will say this. And I'm always like, don't advise that to people no. because it might have worked out for you, yeah. but it won't work for every couple. You have to be very careful with this tip yeah i think two people we asked couldn't come out Mm. of 95 or 96 so yeah so you're talking one percent yeah (laughs) yeah and 
yeah, I just would be so nervous. I know if, say, you're inviting a lot of people from around the world, but you don't know. All your backpacking pals from Australia might decide this is the time they want to come visit. Yeah, you've heard us guys on the podcast a million times saying we're dying to go to a destination wedding. So mm-hmm. anyone out there who's thinking they're going to invite us and we're not going to come, we're definitely we there. <laughs> so if you really sincerely don't want us to be there, then yeah. leave us off the guest list. Because th- that does happen a lot. Like, it can obviously fluctuate, I'd say, from anywhere from 1% like you had to maybe 35% if it's a really big guest list of people not coming. Yeah. But you really can't take that as blanket number at all. No, like it's totally fine to have a second list that you can then ask. Once you give the first list plenty of notice to RSVP, you can hopefully ideally seamlessly then invite a second batch if you're worried about not making up your numbers either but I just think to invite people out of politeness hoping they're not going to come is just a bad foot to start on yeah you don't want to be on your wedding day and kind of strangely begrudging them their seat yes exactly. you know so as much as that means difficult conversations at the beginning probably with like people like your parents or the partners of the people who you don't want to invite for example it will mean that close to the time of the wedding things will be calmer and there will be less conflict which I think is better if you're going to have to have conflict somewhere yes. in the guest list have process 18 months out not yeah don't have it the week before because yeah. I've been to so many weddings where like on the day you know the parents are still like having some kind of argument with the couple over the guest list and who got to come and who didn't get to come and who yeah. didn't turn up last minute and all of this yes. and it's just not ideal no, it absolutely isn't. And I think one thing when, when you are nervous about conflict or you are nervous about not inviting some people is to remember the afters. Yeah, the afters is a great catch-all. Now, if you are in, I suppose, an easy-to-reach location, mm, yeah, if you are in important. the middle of nowhere in a forest and you know there are no taxis available, maybe the afters is not going to happen for you and you have to confront that. Like the yes. minute you book your venue, <laughs> you have to accept that and let it go. Yeah. But you know, if you're getting married, particularly in a city or in a really like easy to access venue in the countryside, this is a great one to just hoover up all those people who you do want there and you do want to ask out of, you know, politeness or a, a kind gesture. Or you want them on the dance floor, but you can't necessarily afford to feed them all day. Yeah, we have to say as well, like a lot of this comes down to money. Like mm. people, bums on seats equate to cash. Yeah, like that could be, every single person you invite could mean about 150 quid to you. So it's horrible to look at people in numbers Yeah, and your friends are not a financial figure. But when you're talking about such big numbers, 10 extra people could be an extra thousand an extra fifteen hundred and you do have to keep that in mind yeah at the end of the day the money is going to be gone from your bank account whether you like it or not so just the attitude of oh but I don't want to think about it in money terms isn't going to save you any money no (laughs) (laughs) you're still going to be you know a grand down because you decided to invite these people out of politeness if if you're happy to do that that's fine but if there's a circumstance that is politeness won't pay your rent politeness won't pay your rent no can we get that on a (laughs) t-shirt yeah I'd like that I would wear that one fab day wedding podcast merch (laughs) coming to you autumn 2019 But yeah, I do think we need to look at the afters as this magical escape clause that we can get the neighbours around or like the friends of friends who you tend to see at parties and you would like to have there, but you just can't really justify having there for the full day. Yeah, there are loads of people like that who like love to see them on a night out, don't have their phone numbers, don't text them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And would love to see them at the afters. Yeah. You know, and I, as a person who's been invited to afters, 
it's always a bit of crack and yeah. often it's nice because you have so many weddings to go to that Absolutely. are really important to you very close people and they're like big undertakings and they're expensive and you love going to them but you might have a summer where you've got five of them and then when someone invites you to the afters it's a relief it's kind of like oh that's brilliant yeah because you still get the fun of the party and you mm. haven't missed out on any of the goss yeah but you don't have the same obligations in terms of gifts and outfits and all exactly the rest. do they yeah. do afters like globally is afters a thing I everywhere because it really should be if it's not we have an American intern, Kayla, we should ask her. Okay, we'll <laughs> ask her after this. Yes. One thing just to note about afters before we get off the topic is that a lot of couples have a, a weird feeling about them. There's a bit of an ickiness as if it's really rude to ask people to your afters. So I do think it's important to note that like culturally, in Ireland anyway, it's not a shade to ask someone to your afters and don't be afraid to have them. Yeah, I think drop the ickiness all around. Like you might, there are probably people who you know from family or friend situation who will get a little bit bent out of shape if they're not invited to the wedding or if they're not invited to the afters but you can't plan your wedding for those people no. those people who are very sensitive about wedding invitations they exist and you want to be you know sensitive to them or considerate of their feelings mm. but you can't do everything for them no. and remember they're a small percentage most people are happy enough with whatever invitation they get yeah because they understand the relationship you have to them yeah it's important just to keep that in mind most people are lovely and sound yeah most people are sound and they don't want you to be stressing out over whether they can come to the ceremony versus the dancing bit versus the afters yeah i think that's a perfect place to wrap up our guest list chat yeah i hope this has been helpful for you listening yes and uh definitely continue to send us your queries and dilemmas around guest lists because i feel like we still haven't heard them all no there's always a rogue cousin who's gonna there's always a there's always a new situation that comes up that we're like oh my god we've never heard of that before so yeah send them our way Okay, so we have to uh, return to the topic of guest lists because we asked our American intern, Kayla, are afters a thing in America and abroad? And she said, what's an afters? (laughs) So we thought we should explain for international listeners. Yes, just in case. So basically an afters is after the ceremony, after the dinner, you invite guests to come along just for the dancing part. So they come along, they have a few drinks. Yeah, and maybe a sandwich or a chicken nugget or a cocktail sausage. They might get some late night food. Yes. And they get the band and the dancing and the fun. So yeah. uh, if you're not familiar with this, it might seem a little bit rude to invite them to like the tail end of the wedding. But it's the best part of the wedding. In Ireland, it's the best part <laughs> of the wedding for sure. So um, depending on what kind of vibe you're going for, yeah. it's a great one. I, we should also say that in Ireland, weddings tend to last until minimum 5 a.m. Yes. Like, I haven't been to any weddings that ended any sooner than that in Ireland. Mm. And obviously, in other countries, it's totally standard for them to end at, like, midnight, yes. 1 a.m., a more appropriate, like, <laughs> adult grown-up time for something to end. Ah. Subject to uh, opinion. Um, so, the afters might not be as good of a catch-all if uh, you're really wrapping things up yeah. at half 11. Yeah, absolutely. But if you expect your wedding to go on till 3am and afters, is definitely a good shout. Yeah, and if it's easy for people to access it, even if they're only going for three hours, I think it's still a nice gesture. One fab day, listener dilemmas. 
There are a few things we love more than finding solutions for your wedding planning predicaments and this section of the podcast is tailor-made for doing just that. Selena has chosen this week's dilemma and if I'm not mistaken we're talking about wedding party style. We are. So we got an email from a groom who says, I'm going suit shopping soon and I haven't a clue what I'm looking for. My brother is my best man and I'm not having any other groomsmen so I'm worried we'll look like twins if we wear the same suit. Any ideas? You certainly don't want to look like twins. No. That would be creepy, especially if he's your brother and maybe there's a family resemblance. <laughs> yes, definitely. You don't want people Someone kissing the wrong groom. <laughs> or congratulating the wrong groom. So there are loads of different ways. You can obviously have different coloured suits. Yeah. Navy and grey or I wouldn't do black and navy. Or you could do something like you have a three-piece suit and he has a two-piece suit. Yeah. It's quite a common one we see for the groom to stand out. You could do inverted colours. So maybe let's say if you have a grey jacket and trousers and a blue waistcoat. He has the opposite. Yeah. Which ties in nicely. Yeah, you can also play around with the accessories. So maybe you can have a dicky bow and he can have a tie or vice yeah. versa. Or you can play around with the colours for those either. Which works well if you do end up wanting to get the same suit. You can really style it differently using those accessories. Yeah, a lot of the grooms we featured lately though are going a bit more bold with their looks. So while the groomsmen are the best man will have a more classic maybe navy suit, mm. the groom will wear like maybe a burgundy velvet blazer or oh, had a I lot of love pink it. lately. We've had cool. a lot of pink. We've had some um like emerald green, foresty green colours yes. as well, which are delicious. Pale blue is lovely, like a more blue grey. Mm. So you could also wear yourself because you're the groom and you deserve to stand out. Yeah wear something really statement and completely different and then your brother can wear a more classic suit yeah it depends I suppose on how sharp a dresser you and your brother are and if it sounds like this person is a bit like I just want to look nice and they maybe don't have a whole lot of inspiration they don't have their own mood board Mm. for the wedding day um, which is completely fine another thing I would say as well is you don't really need to walk into the shop with like a ton of ideas no they're great they'll be able to help you they're very experienced yeah, if you go to like a really good groomswear outfitters, they will be well used to people coming in going, Jesus, I don't know what I want. So um, trust in their expertise, pick the place you go to really well. And, you know, you'll they'll really be able to help you figure out what you like and what you don't. Tell everybody that before the day is out, we shall have a wedding or a hanging. Either way, we ought to have a lot of fun, huh? Your non-wedding homework this week. One of the things we're really passionate about here on the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast is avoiding wedding planning burnout. That's why each week we recommend something that will hopefully tempt you to take a little break from the spreadsheets and to-do lists. So Claire, you've got this week's recommendation. I can see over there you're you're raring to go. What is this? I'm a bit nervous about this one. Is it as good as Shake Away though? Because that was a personal (laughs) highlight. It it serves me better. Okay. Um, So it's this thing that my husband found on the internet called Gordon Dioxide Bedtime Stories. And they're these like very weird. They're meant to be for children, but they're hilarious for adults. So I'm guessing they're for adults reading their bedtime stories to their children. But as someone who frequently can't fall asleep, my husband reads them to me. Oh, that's very sweet. And they all have like hilarious names, like the interesting broccoli and stuff like that. Okay. Um, So I thought I'd read an excerpt of one now. Okay, just should, to give you a feel for what it's Should I like. pretend like I'm tucked up in bed sure, yes. and close my close eyes, eyes and, and get ready? Now okay. this is a very, they're very long. Normally I don't make it past like a couple of paragraphs. Okay, I'll let you. I mean, I have to try enough. I'll sleep too. Okay. Oh God. So we might. They knock me out. This podcast episode might never end. No. <laughs> We're just sleeping in here for eight hours. Okay, let's try it. Okay. Once upon a time, it was seven o'clock in the morning. 
A monkey called Bosnia was asleep in bed and he was woken by a loud bang. He opened his eyes to see that his alarm clock had exploded into hundreds of tiny pieces. Bother, he said, that's the fourth time this week and it's only Tuesday. He got out of bed, got dressed, had a shower and put on some dried clothes. He went downstairs and had breakfast, lunch and dinner to save time later. For breakfast he had a banana, for lunch he had banana muffins, banana yogurt and a banana milkshake and for dinner he had steak and banana pie followed by a banana. He answered the phone because it was ringing. It was Antibiotic, (laughs) who said she was going to visit to check he had cleaned his teeth properly. She did this every day. (laughs) And then it goes on to tell a lovely story of him and Antibiotic. I feel like at the repetition of the word banana, you kind of got me in a little bit of a snoozy mood. So they are a bit silly, but I just think if you're very stressed coming up to your wedding, you can't sleep, you've got a million things Mm whizzing around your head ask your other half to maybe read these to you before bed and you'll have a restful night's sleep. That's a very good point because often right before bed when I'm trying to fall asleep is when I remember all of the things that I've forgotten to do and all the things on my to-do list for the next day. Yeah. So this could really help to actually cut out some of that chatter. Yes, alleviate some Sunday night fear. Yeah. Okay, maybe I'll try it. Do it. It's uh, The websites, if you just Google Gordon Dioxide, there's a whole website full of these stories and they're great. Cute. The One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. That's it for episode 17 of the One Fab Day Wedding Podcast. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you're itching to add something to our conversation about guest lists, there are a few ways you can get in touch. You can email us on hello at onefabday.com or message us on social. We're at onefabday on all the major social channels episode 17 how did we get there i know we're also hoping that you'll spread the word about the podcast you can do this by rating and reviewing us on itunes and sending the link to anyone you know who's planning a wedding or might enjoy a listen and if you can't possibly wait until next week for your wedding inspiration fix head over to onefabday.com where you'll find helpful planning features covering everything from bridesmaid trends to budgeting the one fab day wedding podcast 15,178 under MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MS